Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's host, host Evan Setter, and joined by co-host Brennan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSetter. You can follow Brennan on Twitter at BrennanClean14. Also, make sure to follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support over there is very much appreciated, as always. So, Brennan, we're joining you for our last episode of the week here on Friday. We just finished off our, our trimester report cards, but today, with the trade deadline now less than six days away and all these Anthony Davis bombshells dropping here left and right, we have six days till the trade deadline, and we're going to do a pre-trade deadline mailbag for you guys. So I appreciate everyone submitting your questions in on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSun. So, Brennan, might as well just kick it off here before we get started. Any opening thoughts, or you just want to get right into it? No, yeah, go check out our episode yesterday. We hit on Lonzo Ball quite a bit. We hit on Anthony Davis and how the Suns could or couldn't get involved there. So uh, that was our Monday episode. So go check out those. I, I doubt we'll hit too much on that stuff today. If you guys sent in any questions related to that, I think just uh, go listen to our thoughts there. But today will be more kind of a focus on the Suns roster, their own ways to kind of maybe get a point guard, maybe get off of some salary, whatever. So, um, yeah, let's dive right into it. What do you got? Alrighty, I'm going to kick it off here with an interesting question. And it comes from, we had, by the way, we had three different threads for this because there was a lot of news breaking yesterday. So we had three different threads we're going to look through here. So we have a lot of questions from you guys. Again, appreciate it. But we're starting here at Durie Wallace at Durie Wallace on Twitter. He says, what is Lonzo Ball's advanced stats in the half court and pick and roll specifically? I, I, personally, I don't know that off the top of my head, but this is where the Suns have trouble executing properly. I want to see if he's helps these areas specifically or if he's fool's gold. So I think to flip that and try to spin his question a different way, What's your overall thoughts? I know we hit on yesterday, but might as well get the Lonzo question out of the way immediately. What do you think about Lonzo's fit? And especially what do you do as far as playmaking ability? Yeah, I think kind of talking about him quickly here as far as his more of like where he would actually fit. Because I think that's that's the perfect question to be asking here. I think people need to think of, of Lonzo as more than just like a famous guy because it's going to take quite a bit to get him. So I think... Like you, I, I don't, I don't know his advanced stats there. That that seems <laughs> pretty deep. If if you want to buy us Duray a, a uh, synergy subscription, Evan and I would appreciate that. Otherwise, it's tough to find that. But I think he's going to be pretty solid. I think as far as his ability to spot up off the ball, that's going to continue to be the number one thing. I think he needs to work on in addition to his free throw shooting. But if he can do that, you you trust him to move the ball, make the right play. And I think a lot of what Igor's system tries to do is get the defense scrambled with a pretty simple initial action, but then reverse the ball and then attack that that broken down defense. It's not anything too exotic or crazy, which I think is why Ball's kind of free-flowing, reading the game and just making good plays. That's where his value is. And I think that kind of fits exactly into what ideally the Suns would want there. You know, I think maybe you need a little bit more creation at some of the other positions because ball's not just going to be a pick and roll, you know, drive and kick elite scorer in that way. But I think he's a a pretty fun piece to think about next to Devin Booker, especially if Booker continues to improve in those areas himself. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think just from this point of view, the Suns definitely need playmaking. They definitely need defense in the backcourt. With Lonzo's improved shooting, I know you guys probably all know listening that Lonzo's a really terrible shooter. He shoots under 43% from the free throw line now near 41%, which is just horrendous for a point guard. He he only shoots about 32% catch and shoot threes as well. What do you think about the possibilities of Lonzo improving under Igor Koshkov in that sense? Because it seems like 
any offensive improvement we see under Alonzo Ball, if he is indeed traded for, just be gravy on top. Agreed. I mean, I, I think you have to expect him to get slightly better kind of everywhere. You would ideally be hoping for that if you're the Suns trading for him, just because he is so young. I think he just turned 21. So that, that I think you you kind of expect to get a little better. The free throw shooting is the biggest thing, and that'll be, I think that might be throughout his entire career. You know, I, we've seen plenty of guys at this point that have that kind of follow them throughout the league, I think, or throughout their careers, rather, wherever they go in the league. You know, Ben Simmons, Rajon Rondo, a bunch of different players who just are inconsistent, and, and that just kind of is baked into what they bring you. So I think you have to expect the, the shooting to get it slightly better, but I think you also have to kind of expect to plan around it if you're the Suns and you do decide to go for him. But uh, let's move on to our second question here. And hmm, everything seems to be about Lonzo here. Wow. All right. I got one if you are looking for one. No, I got one. I got one here. Dom Tesoriero. That's a mouthful of a last name. And it's at Dom underscore Tesoriero. And it, it goes actually into something I wrote about today for Bright Side of the Sun. But it is, what is the likelihood that we sit players near the end of the season after the All-Star break? Booker, TJ, etc. Or do we keep them together and get the chemistry flowing? Where do you kind of stand? I think this is a bigger question about how big the tank will be over these next couple months. For me, I just feel like this year especially, it was a really good piece around Bright Side of the Sun. It just went up while we're recording. So as you guys hear this, you'll see Brent's piece on there. Go and check it on Bright Side of the Sun. You brought up a really good point just about how it's the correct way of tanking this year. It seems like they're actually not intentionally tanking. They're just playing all these young guys, and they could possibly solve a guy like TJ Warren to trade deadline as really he is their highest trade ship guy on the roster right now, in my opinion. I think it makes the most sense because you think more about it, the lottery odds are now flattened down. Instead of 25% chance of number one pick, you, n- numbers one through three are now tied for for all for the number one position, which is 14%. And that really plays a factor here. Really, if you think about it from a different angle, they have an 86% chance of not getting Zion Williamson. So I think you kind of have to play the percentages right here, Brandon. I feel like playing these young guys and unfortunately not improving right now, but you just have to play the cards right and see what happens this summer because this team right now, you have 11 wins. You really have nowhere to go but hope for the lottery again. I agree. I think I wouldn't be surprised, like I wrote, if Warren gets traded, first of all. But if not... You know, I think we definitely could see him, especially with his his ankle soreness, but, you know, with Booker struggling through a variety of injuries and kind of night to night, it seems to affect him still. DeAndre Ayton recovering from an injury. DeAnthony Melton still not back, won't be back for a couple of weeks here. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we start to see guys getting shut, maybe not shut down completely like we saw two seasons ago with, um, Bledsoe and Chandler and guys like that. But, you know, you think about what happened last year. I think TJ Warren and Devin Booker both could have come back and it just didn't make any sense. You know, why ruin or jeopardize those guys? I do want to see a little bit more of Booker, get him kind of back to full health, use that all-star break to get him even more in tip-top shape and and have him play some minutes with hopefully a full roster next to him and continue to just maintain that consistency because I think that's the one thing that's been missing from his game. But the broader question, yes, I, I do think definitely we will see guys rest. We will see guys take longer than needed to recover from injury. There's just not any point in trying to overexert yourself and win a game at this point rather than just recover, re- rehabilitate, and let these other young guys play like you mentioned. 
I feel like that's kind of what just happened with DeAndre Ayton, too. It's a grade one ankle sprain. It usually takes only about five to seven days to heal from. They just took two weeks with DeAndre Ayton off. He's going to be back Saturday. So, yeah, yeah and TJ, TJ sitting with this recurring thing. I think if they were in the playoff race, he'd probably push through it. But why not just sit him? Yeah, same with DeAnthony Mellon, too, by the way. He's going to be out till the All-Star break with his high ankle sprain. But next question here from Lee Flurry at Lee Flurry 7 He asks, this is kind of an interesting question because we just saw this kind of happen with the Knicks here in New York. And he says, how can the Suns find a balance between the need to improve soon and waiting the right mood to come along? It seems like every time a player becomes available, Suns fans find reasons why so and so is a bad fit. But at some point, they have to pull a trigger. So how do you think the Suns are not only in the trade line, but in the summer as well? So let's just say the next six or so months, how should they play their cards? Because it seems like obviously this team is being patient, but the fan base is rather really correctly so impatient with the last decade or so. Don't pay attention to what Suns. First of all, Lee, don't pay attention to what Suns fans have a problem with as far as a player. I think that's just fans and and kind of the grass is always not greener. The grass is always dead and brown on the other side for a lot of fans. I think it's just when you don't make make the playoffs for this long. I think it's hard to be positive and expect the best. This this franchise has just struggled with player development and drafting and all of those types of things for so long now that it can feel that way, but. I think the thing to focus on here is, and it's again, what I was kind of touching on in the piece is like, have an organizational, a real sense of direction. And I think it might seem like because James Jones hasn't done much that there is no direction, but I I honestly, the more I, I kind of think about it and hearing him talk more and more over the course of this season, to me, it feels like the sense of direction is to stay the course and to, to play through these young guys, see what they have, be patient. And, and kind of maximize their flexibility going forward. Now they're inhibited a little bit by the Devin Booker extension and some other things, but you know, I think what, where that balance comes in is waiting for the right, the right player to come along. Don't acquire an older player that doesn't fit your timeline. Don't acquire a player that you have to, you know, go on a a bidding spree and try to overpay to get him from another team. Just find guys who fit right, who are the right age and, who, who are reasonably priced and, and kind of go from there. And I think that's why you think about a TJ Warren sell. You think about selling on Josh Jackson, those guys who might never have a higher value. That kind of seems like what a is the right decision at this point, because we saw this year how things went so terribly wrong when they got a little bit too antsy and B, you know, I think it, it just, it, it's going to increase their flexibility. So I, that's, that's my two cents on it, but I think you seem tend to be a little bit more aggressive than me, Evan. So how do you see it? I think look at more, looking more and more on it, I just think that's kind of the way you should go about it because I just feel like this young team needs like just a change after so long. I think really just the parts on this team really outside of Devin Booker, DeAndre, and Mikhail Burgess should be available for the best offer possible because I think those three guys especially make up the next best Suns team and you can't let any of those guys go. But there is legit question marks about everyone else right now if they really are a part of the next great Suns team. And that kind of says a lot about the roster and how it's constructed right now. But let me throw it back your way, Brennan, for one last question before we go under our second segment before our break. And let me, it's an interesting question here. It talks about TJ Warren and also Ryan Anderson. It kind of parlays right into your question you just asked me. It says, it's from Jay at Jumpman underscore 452. And he says, percentage that a TJ or Ryan Anderson are on the side, excuse me, that's not a correct way of saying it. Percentage that TJ and Ryan Anderson are still on the sidelines, either by trade deadline or next season. 
Hmm. I would say TG, uh, Ryan Anderson is is close to zero by next season. I think that's that that's been the case since he was even yeah the plan. Even though he even though he was starting on opening night, I don't think he was ever supposed to be on this roster in 2019-20. Yeah, the plan from the very beginning, from a source I spoke to a couple months ago, the plan from the very beginning, unless they got trail, was to stretch him in 2019. Yeah, exactly, and you saw that because they reduced his salary down to what Brandon Knight was anticipated to make. That trade was about upgrading from Anthony Melton or Marquise Chris to Anthony Melton. So Anderson won't be on this team by next season unless something crazy happens. Um, I, the trade deadline, I think that's remains to be seen. And the interesting point, it was something Jeff Siegel talked about on our pod a couple weeks ago here. They could use that salary to try to upgrade now. I don't know how much sense that makes. It doesn't seem like James Jones is in any hurry to do that. The other way they could use that salary at the deadline here is to, because it is only $15 million and there's a lot worse contracts around the league, as, as crazy as that might sound to some fans here, they could take on one of those bad, even worse contracts, flip Anderson over and get an asset out of it. And that's sort of along the same lines of really going full-fledged into more of a tank mode this year is to kind of hurt their cap space this summer, but get another opportunity to get a young player in here, whether that's a first round pick or even a a pretty good second round pick or a young player from a different team. There's a lot of contracts around the league you could use that for. And then at TJ Warren, I think it'll just be a matter of finding the right deal. I think they've been shopping him. I think it makes sense to be shopping him, but I also don't think, you know, that's a guy they drafted developed who's had a good season. They're not just going to, you know, dump him. And he's on a good salary. So I think he's a pretty valuable asset, to be honest. And I think they could get something for him. I wouldn't be surprised, but maybe I would put it at like a 25% chance. How about you? I'll go about 35, 40%. I just feel like this team needs, like I said in the last question, just to change in the locker room right now, especially losing their last nine games and thinking more about it. I think this team just needs more chemistry and more minutes, especially for guys like Josh Jackson and Mikhail Burrs and Kelly Oubre, because it seems like especially Oubre and Jackson – you need to see them in a lot more extended role the last few months of the season, see which one of those two guys you're going to keep long-term. But before we go on to our next segment here, talking more, taking more of your mailback questions, I want to tell you guys really quickly about our Locked on NBA Twitter account, at Locked on NBA Net. If you're not already doing so, go and follow them. Brent and I both do, especially around the trade deadline right now. We have all of our coverage synced on one account. It's really a valuable resource on NBA Twitter. You have not only Phoenix coverage from Brent and I right here on Locked on Sunday, you guys enjoy, but we also have Coverage in New Orleans, coverage in L.A., coverage in Boston, coverage in Utah, Indiana. Every single NBA team is covered, locked on by the Lockdown NBA Network. So if you're not already doing so, go and follow at Lockdown NBA Network on Twitter for the best NBA Twitter coverage around. I want to also tell you guys about a fantastic way to save money while you make a massive decision in your life. That is Homey, a new home buying service here in the Valley that is setting out to, like I said, save you a whole ton of money with something that typically is such a hassle. Now, they also support you with a team of realtors and attorneys and a mobile app and interface that's easy to use. They help you every step of the way, but mostly, like I said, they are here to help you save a whole ton of money, cutting out the needless fees and commissions that are associated with any buy, purchase, or sale of a house. Homey sells any priced home for the same low cost of just $199 to list and $1,299 at close. And that means that on average, Homey customers save over $10,000. These guys recently sold a million dollar home in record time and saved that homeowner 
over $60,000 in commission. You can also qualify if you buy a house through Homey for up to a $5,000 buyer refund to help with those closing costs and also help you get a loan. So you can this company's main priority is to save you a whole ton of money. And we're going to do that too if you go through us to use Homey. Here at Locked On Sons, we'll get you an extra $100 off that listing fee, maybe $99 to close your house by calling 602-893-3335. Again, list your house at Homey and take advantage of everything they do by calling 602-892-3335 to let them know you came from us. Alrighty, I will start us off here with our next question. And we'll go with Alex. That's at Alex of AZ. He says, Evan mentioned Simmons to New Orleans for Davis, but also that Simmons might not like that situation either. Of course, the Rich Paul connection complicates that. It doesn't seem like Philly's in the running. But this is a thing that does seem to come up here quite a bit. What would you give up to facilitate facilitate AD to the 76ers and Simmons to the Suns? Now, I don't think... AD to the 76ers is happening, but I think a lot of people are interested in Simmons to the Suns. How much of a likelihood do you think there really is that Ben Simmons get, gets moved? And hypothetically, how do you like his fit here in Phoenix? Hypothetically, I love his fit in Phoenix, but unfortunately, not to burst your bubble, Alex, but I think there's like a 0% chance of that happening with Ben Simmons. And yeah, especially now with them not really being in the sweepstakes for Davis. Yeah, I think... If I'm not mistaken, I think he's up for an extension this summer or next, and I think that they're probably going to re-sign to an extension, I would think. But um, what do you think about the possibility here of Ben Simmons and Devin Booker? Because that seems like the ideal pairing long-term, but if you think more about it, Brian, if you are going to get a guy Ben Simmons caliber, Philly is just going to laugh and hang up the phone unless you offer Devin Booker. Yeah, exactly. I think it was uh, it was a thing I wanted to, to bring up here because I see it brought up quite often. And it's, it's honestly silly to me hearing Sixers fans and actually I don't even think it's Sixers fans. I think it's like opposing teams fans that make a bigger deal about Simmons not fitting with that core than he does. First of all, this is his second real season. Second of all, they're really good right now. So the idea that they need to worry is kind of a little bit ridiculous to me in the first place. But yeah, I mean, Simmons is one of the absolute best assets in the league and somebody who you could still see probably further down the line being an MVP candidate. So it seems a little ridiculous to sell right now on him. Um, and not, I honestly don't know if the Suns have anything that would be worth it. So I, I it was a little bit of a facetious question because I think you and I are both on the same page, but uh, I've just seen a lot, a lot about it recently. Yeah, especially with Simmons becoming a restricted free agent in 2020. I imagine those rumors won't die down anytime soon. But let's go on to our next question from a loyal listener all the way in Greece. He always is in our mailbags at Antalikos on Twitter. He says, McDonough era didn't draft super well, though. This last year's looks promising. Now, a lot of those guys are gone, but what steps have been taken to address that? James Jones isn't a scout. Trevor Buxton is a numbers guy. What's the plan here? Yeah, I want to, I'll take this one for a minute here because I know a lot of people have kind of panicked about the fact that when Ryan McDonough was fired, they kind of cleaned house in the front office. Courtney Whitty, who was their director of scouting, and obviously the assistant general manager, Pat Connolly, and McDonough himself was came from a scouting background. So it kind of felt like they wiped out all of their scouting office, if you will. And it's not true. So I, I went and I, I just talked to Suns Communications to clarify 
They hired Ronnie Price, who Suns fans will obviously remember from the beginning of Devin Booker's career a few seasons ago as the point guard here, backup point guard. He's in a scouting role for the team based in Salt Lake City, so I think he's more of an NBA scout, but obviously all these guys can kind of wear multiple hats. They also retained Courtney Whitty's old boss. His name's Bubba Burridge, I think is how you say it. And uh, he he was always there. He didn't get fired by Sarver when the, the change happened with McDonough. And they also have three or four other scouts. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. I think there's a lot of people who are just assuming, oh, wow, they're going to punt the draft because they didn't even bother. No NBA team doesn't hire scouts. I, I think I was panicked about that too at first. But um, between Price and those other guys that stayed in place, I think the the Suns are as dedicated to that as ever. So now this draft's not great. So that kind of complicates things, right? Oh, for sure. And that's a nice scoop by you too. I haven't been reporting anywhere else. So you guys are getting exclusive there on Locked on Suns about this. So you don't have to worry much about the scouting. But what do you think about this draft class? Because if you think more last month, about two and a half weeks ago now, where he spoke to James Jones at Brightside Night, and he sure sounded like a guy who wasn't interested in adding their 18 or 19-year-old onto the roster. So how much do you think that factors into their plans heading into the summer? Because it sure seems like unless they luck into Zion Williamson, which seems like they, it's really what they could be aiming at right now, that really is Zion or bust for them. It does feel that way. I mean, I think that's how a lot of teams are probably appro- approaching this draft. I think I, I like RJ Barrett. I know a lot of the internet seems to love John Morant, and I think teams are going to continue to get excited about him, especially when you see the success of players like him around the league. Aaron Fox is breaking out this year. Russell Westbrook just won an MVP. Derek Rose is maintaining his career into his 30s here. So guys like that have value. Maybe it's more of a two- or three-man draft, but there's a clear cut between Williamson and everyone else. So I think that's why you kind of hear the way that Jones has talked about the draft and hesitancy to bring in another young player to develop. And even you look at what they did in the 2018 draft by, yes, they took another player when they weren't expected to. We, no, I don't think anyone was expecting them to take four rookies again, but Mikhail Bridges is 22. You know, he's older than Devin Booker. So that doesn't even feel like a developmental project. We're already seeing Bridges contribute. So I I do think they're kind of moving out of the phase of taking a ton of young players every year and just kind of rolling the dice. But I wouldn't expect that they're going to just sit it out completely. That would be pretty, pretty, uh, not doing their job if they just ignored the draft. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And it's kind of thinking more about it that you said that, that they have scouts. I think it's, Kind of a thing they're still focusing on the draft, but obviously not as big of a focus as Ryan McDonough did under the previous regime. But what's our next question here, Bryn? Actually, if we want to take a quick break here before our last couple of questions, again, we appreciate a ton. We're not going to get through all of them. As you guys keep following us on Twitter, we kind of have a little too many now, which we totally appreciate. It, it helps us mix it up. But before we get to our last few, I want to tell you guys about the Locked On NBA show. We know you love what we do here at Locked On Suns, giving you little bite-sized news breaking and analysis recaps, all the great stuff, pretty similar on Locked On NBA, but just from the national perspective. So this week has been filled with Anthony Davis coverage. We have guys all around the league, like Evan mentioned a few minutes ago. So if you are looking for what the local perspective is on something, some of the national guys tend to get things wrong or miss miss key points. We have local experts every single day coming on that show whenever big news breaks. So we had the Dallas and New York perspectives from the Chris Tapps Porzingis trade yesterday and continued Anthony Davis breakdowns 
as well as Kyrie Irving and all the news going on right now as we head toward the trade deadline. So go check out Locked On NBA for all of that in the same form you love here at Locked On Suns. Subscribe to that show and uh, continue to spread the love here with the network. All righty, let's move on to our last couple questions here for our mailbag. I like I like this one. Um, okay, this was after the Spurs game, I think. It's Dan. It's at hard 486. I'm tired of all the losing. Last night was another punch in the gut. I've been trying to figure out a way for the Suns to get a quality power forward along with a point guard. Again, thoughts on trading TJ Warren, but also Josh Jackson plus picks for Aaron Gordon and then stretching Anderson for money to sign a point guard. So, I mean, we can talk about the specifics of Aaron Gordon, but just that general plan here of using the extra money from Anderson's deal to get a point guard and then kind of maybe trading to upgrade the front court. What are your thoughts there? That's actually a pretty plausible idea in my opinion, because I think Aaron Gordon, maybe not now at the deadline since they're pushed for the playoffs. It seems like Nicole Vucevic is going to stay around Orlando, but maybe in the summer, if they blow things up there and Vucevic leaves, Gordon makes a lot of sense as a trade target. And I would trade Jackson and Warren for a guy like Aaron Gordon. I think it makes a lot of sense next to DeAndre Ayton, but I don't think that's going to happen between now and the deadline. I do think summer is more realistic there. But something along those lines, either you do trade for power for you, trade for point guard, and vice versa, you get the other position in free agency. I think that might be what their plan is if they don't get Zion. Yeah, so thinking about the deadline a little bit more here, do you think there's any possibility? Like, who, who would you, if you if the Suns are dead set on using Warren at the deadline to try to kind of re, refigure their assets, get a younger player in here that fits better, who's a guy you're you're thinking about? Just whether it's somebody that's actually rumored to be on the block or just somebody that you feel like could be realistically gotten using Warren, using Warren and Jackson kind of what's a construction for you that makes sense between now and, and the seventh. This is kind of top of my head here, but I saw a report about an hour ago for the Knicks saying that Wesley Matthews was available. And I'm not saying the, the sunshade Wesley Matthews, but maybe help facilitate there, push Wesley Matthews to a contender, get off of that. And then you get back Noah Vonley somehow in that deal from the Knicks. I think he makes a lot of sense. They're trying to really tank their way to some more loss to get Zion. So maybe you trade TJ in that deal to a different team, not the Knicks who are obviously trying to tank and want long-term space. Maybe you trade TJ for a Noah Vonley. I know some people will be like, why are you doing that, Evan? But I think Vonley makes a lot more sense stylistically next to an Aiden type than Warren does for a lot of reasons. The shooting obviously matters, but Vonley's shooting over 35%, 35% from three this year, nearly 40% catch and shoot threes from what I've seen in low usage. But he's a lot better defender nearly doubles the percentage of rebounds that Warren gets. He's a really good offensive rebounding guy. He's very athletic, very underrated defender too. So I think we're looking for like low key options. I think Noah Vonley actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think that could be a deal if you sent Warren to the same contender that Wes Matthews is going to, if there's a team that could use both of those guys and has some bad salary, both of those guys together, it's, it's getting pretty pricey, but it's up to about 24 million between the two of them. So if you had, you know, if you were able to send both of those guys to a good team that needs their shooting, and then you can take a bad contract from that team and get a guy like Noah Vonley and an asset to to take on that money, I think that's the type of bigger deal that the Suns could easily get involved in. But what do you got for our next question here? Our next question is actually from Jeff Allwright on Twitter, and it's a pretty simple question. And I'm kind of going to frame it a different way here, but he said, how do the Suns overcome the Suns, which kind of for me, I'm going to flip that in a way of just recency bias here with the Anthony Davis situation. So I'm going to flip it in this sense here, Brian. And let's talk about the Devin Booker situation, how it pertains to Anthony Davis, because 
when we see Anthony Davis and the Pelican situation in his first four seasons, Davis had 54 different teammates. Booker now has 55 different teammates in three and a half years. They're kind of going down the same path here, which kind of worries some Suns fans. What do you think just over the next two or three years, how important this team, the, the direction this team is for a guy like Devin Booker, because with how big player empowerment is nowadays, probably at an all time high Booker could really ask out in two or three years. And it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. And, and you worry too, how much earlier is the ask out going to get um, these players? I mean, we saw it with Chris Stapps. It's a little bit of a different situation because the, the Knicks clearly had different priorities and he's had just disagreement and frustration with that franchise for quite a while. I think it's run. It's, it's actually probably even worse than Phoenix as far as ownership and, and kind of their history. So not quite as bad, but you look at that and I understand as a Suns fan being kind of worried is like, if, if players are doing that before they even hit restricted free agency, which is kind of right where Booker is right now, he's already locked up on his second contract, but for all intents and purposes, he could do it at any minute. And so you do start to worry. And I think that's why this season has been such a disappointment aside from winning, neither you or I expected them to be really anywhere near the playoffs. But I think we both expected the kind of like fun up and coming team to, to kind of start this year where they're in a lot of games, they win some, some games they're not supposed to, maybe they, you know, have guys break out that are unexpected stuff like that. That's how that has not happened. And I think it needs to, you need to start seeing that progress. You need to start seeing cohesion in the front office, which is why I think James Jones job and, and vision is so important here. If he does get retained as the permanent general manager. So I think it's, it's a combination of, seeing some development out of these players, getting more guys in the building that makes sense long-term and and kind of aligning your assets in a way that is going to allow you to continue to upgrade the roster and, uh, you know, doing everything you can to make Booker happy, however that ends up looking. But he, his frustration here the past couple of weeks has not been a good look for the franchise or himself. And I think it's been the, the first time where I've really had to like kind of address it and been like, okay, well, this, this actually could get ugly in a hurry if things don't improve. What I'm interested to follow with this summer is if Bradley Beal asked out for a trade because he has the actually exact contract Devin Booker signed about three or four years ago, and he could be asking out this summer with two years left of team control. So if you're following that sense, that could be three or four years down the line of Devin Booker. But how big it was it this year when you look at the Porzingis situation that the Suns decided not to play around with Booker in the cash space game and signed to that extension a year early because not only that, but the, he also doesn't have a player option on the final year of his contract for that extension, which I think plays a really big factor. It does. It will if he continues to improve and, and does become a coveted asset around the league. Somebody like Davis, Giannis, Beal, whoever, that not having a player option makes the timeline get a little pushed back a little bit further than it, it has for a lot of these players. But it's kind of a, a, two, a double-edged sword, I guess you could say, where if they had not signed Booker to the extension early, I think it would have been a a little rough for PR. I think a lot of fans wanted that to happen and be maybe ruffle his feathers a little bit. We saw that kind of unfurl with the Kawhi Leonard situation. The Spurs asked him to wait so that they could upgrade their roster, retain Tim Duncan. And I think that contributed to some of his unhappiness. And, you know, then it also, the other side is now they're not as, as flexible this summer. They don't have quite the money that they could have otherwise. So it's, it's just the the kind of constant decision-making franchises have to make. It's not like they can't improve this summer. It just makes it a little more tough. I think you probably do that again if you had the chance, just because keeping him happy, I think, is 
obviously a huge part of all of it. Whether you're able to get another player next to him is one thing, but giving him that security is, is far more important. But last, uh, my last question here that I, I want to get in, if you have another one, go for it. But we'll start with Philip Lindblom. That's at Blomphil. His question, and I think it's a, a nice way to kind of finish, is do the Suns execute one trade before the deadline? I had yesterday, you and I were texting back and forth. I, I put the over-under here at, at half a trade. So that's right where Philip is. Do they execute one trade before the deadline? What's your prediction? Ooh, I, I'm hopeful and confident here. I'm worried, though, that this is going to be wrong. But I think, yes, they do pull off a trade. And I'm going to go big here. I'm going to really pull up just a bold prediction and say, Anthony Davis does end up a Laker and Lonzo Ball ends up a Sun. All right. And there we go. Give the people what they want. Exactly. Big baller Brandon Phoenix. I'm not, I'm not ready. I really I don't think I'm ready to, to dissect his shot like we have with Jackson. I'm not ready for his dad to be in Talking Sick Resort Arena. I'm not ready for the media brigade. I mean, It'll help our clicks, right? But LeVar <laughs> is totally coming back out of the shadows if he's straight here, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that I agree with you, though. I think it's more likely than not that something happens between Adrian Wojnarowski saying that the Suns are one of the bigger teams looking to sell. I don't know how much they have, but the fact that they're trying to do that, uh, the fact that they've been involved in so many different rumors now between Ball and, and everything else – they do have some flexibility to do so if they wanted to with TJ Warren. So I think my guess is that they do execute one. Um, even if it's something small like Troy Daniels to a contender, I think I could see it happening. So I think there's more scenarios where they do get involved than they don't. So I'll go with, I'll go with one. I, I don't think, I don't think any more than one, but I'll, I'll say the over on, on 0. 0.5. Okay. Uh, we're right there in agreement with, we both think there's going to be one trade that happens over the next six days. So that'll be for today's podcast guys. Appreciate you all listening in as always. It's going to be a really fun trade deadline. As you guys have seen the past 24, 48 hours, it's been absolutely crazy already. Chris Desporting is now a Dallas Maverick. Anthony Davis trying to leverage his way to the Los Angeles Lakers. Lonzo Ball, even though he's still in the Lakers, has mutual interest in the Phoenix Suns. So it could be a crazy next five or six days. So follow along with us here on Locked on Suns. We'll keep you guys updated. Thanks again.